Book Three, Turtle Islands, The USA and Egana, Greece. Chapter One, Connection. There are bumps where and when we don't know where to be, or are uninvited, or by our very presence offend, if not change and affect what is happening. In a longing to belong, be seen, heard. Understood, connected. Many of us sapiens get rejected, disrespected, lost, confused. The hurt can linger, and the reaction continues: othering, smothering, aggression, repression. Love is lost or not found on too many days in too many places. A grizzly bear wanders into a fishing camp. His territory threatened; he becomes the threat and is shot. One of my beloved goddaughters came and sat on my bed, post by an ears. The tears quietly filled up the spaces and places in her eyes, rising like the tides, the water in our times, coming stronger from the skies and then seemingly disappearing altogether. It seems too little. Or too much, the world too fierce or not enough, too gentle or too harsh to survive. She did not say a lot. She just asked, "When does it stop? When and where is there ease?" As she navigates the terrain of being twenty-eight, Saturn returns. I don't know so very much about astrology, yet seeing and being with so many twenty-eight-year-olds in the past years, I have noticed some patterns of descent for sure. As I looked and responded with what I could, I remembered my own at twenty-eight. It was truly an end in so many ways to live as I had known it, as I had grown it, as I had been led to believe it would be. The idea of home, husband, job, kids—I just could not see it. I was embarrassed and even ashamed to say that it was not enough. It did not shine like a north star calling me. Success and such happiness seemed isolated and disconnected from something essential. I knew I needed to discover. And here, at my side, sat beloved Tara, whom I had met as a child, aged seven, at the edge of the ocean. That day, she was afraid of the waves, seeming afraid of the deep blue, the unseen, the unknown, the water, afraid to jump in. So many at the edge of such water. Calls us to leave the ground on which we stand, to enter the womb of mother again, with nothing to hold on to. It is a gateway of consciousness, a state of being, not having or holding, one that dolphins and whales know so well. My way with Tara then as now was to join her in her scream. We got hysterical together.
We expressed our fear, our rage, our energy, whatever it was keeping us, holding us back from the unknown. Through the sound, through the body, we met the body, the waters, life. That moment and memory is always with me, as if it was and is now. And I could not tell Tara it was all okay, or it would be okay, much less that it, our world, our lives would get better, safer, clearer. I, at best, could join her in her scream, in the prayer that we could meet what was here now and what was coming, with love and truth, as our paddles, we could make our way into, on, and through the water and waves. After listening a bit to her, and after reading her my reflections from Bioneers, I shared my sense of what may be needed. We have to get bigger, I said. When feeling small, overwhelmed, powerless, I feel called to get bigger, to stretch, to think, to dream, to imagine a future out of the box now visible. I know we need to resist, to say no to much of what is happening in our world, and I remain in respect and gratitude for the Gretas and even more for the protesters who continue to show up, facing years in prison. Somehow, they are more free than many others, left standing with the fear, unable to jump in. And along with that no, I need the yes. What are some of the essentials of the world we are wanting? Are we co-creating and moving towards them? Now, so many years into the protests, the movements, I'm happy to hear the cries for justice at home, not only abroad, for shared resources in the widest picture possible. And what's that look like? My kaleidoscope turns, searching for a picture. This morning, I sit at Lake Tahoe en route home. The Washoe call it Big Water. I find this quote amidst a long story of extraction, deforestation, exploitation of resources. The lake, quote, had spiritual meaning for the tribe, and many sacred ceremonies were held along the southern shores. End quote. I am struck by the word had. Sitting alone here on the South Shore beach, I don't feel the Washoe are gone. Lake Tahoe is 99.1% pure. I wonder what that means. Average depth, 989 feet. Deepest, 1,645 feet. 21 miles long. 12 miles wide. Elevation, 6,228 feet above sea level. 72 miles just to drive around, taking two hours. It is believed to have been a small lake or river originally. It obviously got bigger. 
There is enough water to cover the state of California with 14.5 inches of water. There are 63 streams flowing into the lake and only one river that flows out east into Pyramid Lake. Here, listening to the water, to this place, to this story, I ask again what it means to get bigger or be big. All around there are, quote, keep out private signs, reminders of what is happening in our world, our country, as the fear rises. I love the bigness here in the water and the rocks, the mountains and the sky. I feel small in a good proportion to them. And I know as four ducks pass me by, headed north, that I must get bigger, bigger in my heart, my mind, my every day, to continue to wake up in order to live and make the kind of difference our world might need. I return to prepare the young ones to go out on the mountain to pray, to let go of the stories that hold so many of them and us back from a more beautiful and just world, a world beyond boundaries where the private signs may no longer exist. There a true north, a true adult can be confirmed as but one species in this remarkable earth world. This is the best I know to do, to go with our godchildren, to scream with them, to pray with them, to be with them as they open to the pictures of the new story, the new world to be. A little boy arrives at my side, building a home and a castle in the sand, a miniature all-earth building, a better omen than most of the high-rises that I see behind me. Three geese here now as well, having the last word. There is that famous story of the geese sharing leadership, one dropping back as the lead may tire. Here, two are in the lead, with one following. I celebrate this picture. As Lake Tahoe is the second largest alpine lake in North America, I wonder what is the first. I think of the Owens Lake, Patsiata, just north of here, now so dry after the private signs took over the valley. I remember Lake Baikal, visiting there in the early 80s, so deep in the center of the Soviet Union then named. No one has ever reached the bottom. Myth or reality? The prayer made there and then is here with me now. A community of geese arrive. May we see, respect, create, appreciate, tend, love the beauty, and leave this place even more beautiful than we found it. Impossible, though it seems, a big dream. The geese know no boundaries. Strolling all twelve past me and past the private property sign. It was just those signs, put up around 1850, 
that ended the aboriginal communal way of living, sharing, and caring for each other in this place. And though it seemed and seems to me, to many, that the Washaw lost their lands, their lives, their children to boarding schools, lost their language to forced assimilation, their culture decimated, they are still here. Actually, 1,500 in spirit and culture on the rise. What is enduring? What will continue? When and as more bear witness to something we all lost in the name of, for the sake of, progress. I feel them here. I feel them near. The spirit endures ceremonial life, life that considers all of life to be the community, just maybe. I remember many years ago placing a crystal in that deepest of lakes, Lake Baikal. It was gifted to me through the Christo Project. It had come from a crystal mine owned by a community of do-gooders, a foundation of philanthropists working to be part of the healing. We, they, were guided, well-meaning, flowing with good intentions, and yet still, I found us settlers to be much like those moving to Lake Tahoe after the miners left. We knew little about the beautiful lands on which we lived and less about the ones we visited. I say we, but better, I guess, to say I, who had been there before and more importantly, who was there now, being as we were guests of the Soviet Union. We were not allowed to go out of our hotel alone to even learn about the place. Always accompanied by a member of the KGB, I found myself even in a deeper prayer to connect with the place, with the water, with the spirit of the land before its occupation and colonization. Is or was that even possible? My prayer an action with that crystal came out of such a deep not knowing. Once again, I have no regrets, only perhaps a deeper humility around it all. Would I do such again? I actually have no idea. I did carry one other crystal with me to Switzerland a year or so after, when invited there for a conference. When no one was looking, I offered one to buy call. When no one was noticing, I swam out into Lake Geneva and left one there with a prayer for the purity and protection of water, all of life. Purity, that word I found in the description of Tahoe, defined as freedom from adulteration, contamination, and immorality. Now, this month, some 35 years later, Baikal and Geneva return on my personal map. 
One of the most beautiful public prayers was just offered at Bioneers this year, where we stopped on our way home. By Zarina Koprinyat. Not great at that pronunciation. And also Andreas Jones. Shamanic activists and artists they were from Siberia. In the talk prior, the plea for protection of sacred places and indigenous peoples was made, transmitted with the most beautiful images, the music and sounds that came through the drum, the chant, the hearts and bodies of these two communicated beyond boundaries. In those few minutes, I was transported back to Lake Baikal, remembering my vow to that place, my vow to these people unseen, yet present at Tahoe. I returned to the memory of the crystal gifting, the gift of that watering hole, receiving even more than what I had when first there. And now, a call comes to join, in whatever way I can, a world, a water walk to Geneva. It is part of a larger pilgrimage begun three weeks ago in India, being joined by many to bring attention to the prayer and action needed, the human change essential in this climate crisis, in this crisis of injustice that continues worldwide. Rajendra, known as the Waterman in India, has reawakened rivers and people to the teaching of water, the call of water. He has asked me and asked for my guidance, my participation, and I'm now looking at how it will be possible to return to the lake, the watering hole, at the center of institutions where people, organizations, and governments work for peace. Geneva. The reality is that I'm still relearning to walk with a new knee from the last walk I needed after the water pilgrimage, three weeks each year, over three years, from Source Mono Lake, California, to Enuse, Los Angeles. There, Rajendra, Paiute, locals, and a few global activists joined together to walk, to carry a prayer to restore relations with the peoples and the water. The intention was to listen to the water even more than any of our leaders for guidance. The days were spent walking, often in silence. The evenings were spent listening to the stories of the water, the land, the people along the route. Paiute, Shoshone, Numu people, who we asked permission of, to walk Paiuhunadu, the Owens Valley, the place where the water flows, the place where water wars have been ongoing since settlers first arrived and put up fences, blocking access to the lands previously peacefully shared. We were welcomed by and blessed by the tribal council, despite the tragic history many of our ancestors were responsible for. More in the USA are familiar with the story of Los Angeles stealing the water, buying up the valley in secret, with Mulholland still seen as a hero, 
building the largest aqueduct to carry the water to L.A. and build one of the largest cities. What was and is sacrificed when we move water in this way? How many in L.A. even know where their water comes from? This was another one of our intentions, to simply make this more known for Angelinos to realize Payuhunadu was a colony of the L.A. Department of Water and Power, and that the original people there, as in so many places, had little to no power in their homeland. We asked for representation of the NUMU on the Water Commission. We asked for us all to work with organizations like Tree People to change our ways with water, to collect the rains, to become aware and change our use and abuse of this precious gift. Did our walk, does our work through sharing story, film, skills in water retention, political pleas, letters, and presence at meetings make a dent in this hugely accepted way of living? I mean, DWP, after all, like so many companies and corporations around the world, offers jobs, gifts of parks, and perks of roads and improved infrastructure to the, quote, undeveloped peoples and places. It seems large rivers have flowed in this direction and definition of progress for some at the expense of others for a very long time, perhaps since the beginning of time. I remember the wars described in the earliest of times between Neanderthals and the Homo sapiens as they were seen to be the other, as their lands and resources became known and desired. I think of so many minds, if not hearts, over centuries, dedicating their lives to changing that story, to system change. I think of the many systems attempting to redistribute and share resources, the many revolutions fought, the many lives sacrificed for justice, equality, with peoples, with earth. It is no mistake that more are seeing the response to climate crisis interwoven with the story of human oppression, capitalism, white supremacy, resource extraction, domination, attitudes, and actions. Who am I to walk, to educate, to inquire, to plea, to pray, to think or hope in any way that a difference can follow? that a new story of earth and respect for all of life just might emerge, that the best of the old stories, still alive within some cultures, might be remembered, respected, and reinvigorated. Who am I, if not to do so?